A Texas federal judge vacates portions of the No Surprises Act dispute resolution process. The FDA approves a new oral medication to treat postpartum depression, but rejects its wider use for other mental health conditions. And a cyber attack impacts hospitals owned by a private equity group across three states. It's Tuesday, August 8th. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines and health business and policy news in 10 minutes or less. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has temporarily suspended the No Surprises Act's independent dispute resolution process following a ruling from a Texas federal judge last Thursday. The ruling came from Judge Jeremy Kernodal of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas, who vacated the agency's increase of the dispute resolution administrative fee from $50 to $350. The suit was filed by the Texas Medical Association against the Department of Health and Human Services in late January. HHS raised the fees in December, citing a surge in the volume of disputes and the costs associated with conducting dispute eligibility. The Texas Medical Association argued that the fee increase made engaging in the arbitration process for small providers cost prohibitive. Kernodal also vacated restrictions on the so-called batching rule, which allowed bundled arbitration processes only on claims with the same service code. As a result of that rule, providers were required to go through separate payment dispute processes processes for each claim related to an individual's care episode. Kernodal ruled that both the fee increase and the batching restrictions violated the Administrative Procedure Act's notice and comment requirement. That law governs the process by which federal agencies develop and issue regulations. It includes requirements for publishing notices of proposed and final rulemaking in the Federal Register and provides opportunities for the public to comment on notices of proposed rulemaking. Kernodal has cited previously with the Texas Medical Association in its challenges to the No Surprises Act. In February, he ruled in favor of the group, saying again that the No Surprises Act final rule violates the Administrative Procedure Act. In that case, the Texas Medical Association argued that the No Surprises Act tips the arbitration process in favor of insurers by tying pricing decisions to the qualified payment amount, which is the median in-network payer contracted rate for a particular item or service in a particular region. Since the independent dispute resolution process was established, it's been bogged down with a flood of arbitration requests. According to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, there were more than 90,000 disputes filed between April 15th and September 22nd of last year. Previously, federal agencies had estimated that there would only be around 17,000 arbitration requests submitted through the IDR every year. The agency also notes that it's taking longer to determine the eligibility of disputes than initially expected. The Food and Drug Administration approved the first oral medication to treat postpartum depression, but did not approve it to treat other types of mental health conditions. The drug Zoralinone was developed by biopharmaceutical company Sage Therapeutics in partnership with Biogen. It will be sold under the brand name Zerzuve. This treatment is a two-week course of pills taken once a day. 
the approval of Zerzuve for postpartum individuals followed two clinical studies in adults with postpartum depression, also known as PPD. Those studies found that treatment with the drug led to rapid and nominally significant improvements in depressive symptoms versus a placebo. According to SAGE, the studies showed a significant reduction in depressive symptoms as early as the third day of taking the drug, and that reduction was sustained through 45 days. The most common side effects of the medication include dizziness and fatigue. It's also not recommended for individuals taking the drug to breastfeed their babies during treatment without consulting their physician. Experts say that the drug's approval for postpartum depression may alleviate stigma surrounding the condition and encourage more people to seek treatment. Moreover, the oral treatment is more accessible than the other postpartum depression treatment available, Solreso, also manufactured by Sage, which is delivered via a continuous infusion in a hospital over a 60-hour period. PPD is estimated to affect around one in seven postpartum individuals and often starts within one to three weeks after having a baby. The condition is different and more serious than what's known colloquially as the baby blues and can include symptoms like severe mood swings, feeling panicked or scared, changes in how a parent views their baby, having trouble bonding, and in some cases thoughts of hurting oneself or their baby or even suicide. Mental health conditions like suicide and substance use disorder are among the leading contributors to maternal death in the United States, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Though the FDA's approval of the drug for PPD is seen broadly as a win for people with the condition, the agency did not approve SAGE's application for the drug's use for other mental health conditions, like major depressive disorder, which is one of the most common mental health disorders in the United States. The agency stated in a complete response letter for the drug that SAGE's application did not provide substantial evidence of effectiveness to support the approval of the drug for the treatment of MDD. It's expected that Zerzuve will be commercially available during the fourth quarter of 2023, shortly following its scheduling as a controlled substance by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. Hospitals and outpatient facilities across at least three states began the process of recovering their computer systems from a recent cyber attack that in some cases forced emergency departments to shut down. The facilities impacted are run by Prospect Medical Holdings, a Los Angeles, California-based private equity group which operates 17 hospitals and 165 outpatient facilities across five states, California, Texas, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Pennsylvania. The company said in a statement last week that upon learning about the attack, it took its systems offline to safeguard them and launched an investigation with the help of third-party cybersecurity specialists. As of Monday, Prospect said on its website that it was still experiencing a system-wide outage and is continuing to work on the issue. Emergency departments at Connecticut-based Manchester Memorial and Rockville General Hospitals were closed for much of Thursday, with patients diverted to other medical centers in the area. As of Monday, the Eastern Connecticut Health Network was still postponing elective surgery and GI procedures, outpatient physical therapy, and outpatient blood draws, according to its website. And Charter Care in Providence, Rhode Island, wrote via its official Facebook page that its inpatient and outpatient services at Our Lady of Fatima Hospital and the Roger Williams Medical Center were disrupted as of Thursday. 
It's reported that the attack bears the hallmarks of an extortive ransomware attack, but this so far hasn't been confirmed. Typically, criminals in these attacks steal sensitive data and activate encryption software that disrupts IT networks and demand for payment. This is one of the latest large-scale cyber attacks to impact healthcare systems in the past few weeks. In July, the nation's largest for-profit hospital chain, HCA Healthcare, revealed that it had been the target of a cyber attack that exposed the data of around 11 million patients. A recent report from the Poneman Institute found that for the 13th year in a row, the healthcare sector reported the most expensive data breaches across all industries at an average of $10.93 million per breach. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at JustHealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The GIST Healthcare podcast is an independent production of GIST Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company.